All right. Welcome to the next installment of The Devil You Know. My name is Luke Holden, and I've been psyched for this interview um, for, what, four days now? Because it was At least four days. <laughs> four days ago that I actually asked you, but, um, you know, I've been meaning to uh, get you on here yes. for a while now, since meeting you, what, two months ago? Yeah, man. Yeah. At Belcourt. Uh-huh. That's right. That's right. And this is, by the way, Keaton Simons for anybody who has <clears throat> not read the label of the interview yet. And Keaton is a local musician who moved here from LA when? That's about three years ago. Okay. Yeah. Gotcha. So you've been here for a little while now. I've been here for a little while, but I still feel like a newbie. I mean, I definitely missed like the first mass wave from LA, which was probably, I don't know, 12 ish years ago now or something. I'm still catching up. So. Oh, and there's still, oh, it's still happening. It hasn't yeah. stopped. Mm-hmm. <laughs> There's just a grand influx of people from across the world in Nashville right now for anybody who's lived here um, a fucking year. We all know that. But Mm. um, at any rate, it was really exciting to meet you that night. I immediately recognized your name. It was fucking bizarre, you know, because our friend Leah Knapp, yep. was it Knapp or Knapp? Knapp? Yep. Yeah, that's right. Knapp. Um, Knapp. Knapp. Uh-huh. <laughs> for uh, the German savants out the there. German, yeah. But- no, you know, I recognized your name immediately because um, I have heard you perform with a few people yeah. at this point. You know, Chris Cornell, namely, yeah. which I obviously want to return to. Um, but course. first and foremost, I want to hear a little bit about you. Uh, you're a musician. You work in film and TV. Yeah. And I don't know, you essentially have a myriad of different hats that you wear. So tell me a little bit about what you've done, what you're doing, and what's to come. Well, I, I've been a musician since birth, you know, just like kind of came out just playing and singing and making sounds and doing all that stuff. And I just never stopped. And I've always found ways to do this or that or the other thing. Even when I was a little kid, I've done some stuff. I sang on uh, Danny Elfman's first no shit. Uh, score for Scrooged, the Bill Murray Yeah, movie, yeah, of course. And I was only like seven or eight years mm-hmm. old at the time. I got to do so much cool, fun stuff and be in, in environments that were really fertile for creativity. I have a wonderful family who supports me Mm -hmm. creatively, a lot of extremely creative people in my family. So that's wonderful. And then, um, I first started, I wanted to, to play with other artists and kind of learn the ropes while I was developing as an artist myself. And I've, and I, my first main major gig was with Slim Kid Trey from the far side, which was a legendary (laughs) West coast hip hop group from the nineties. Um, she keeps on passing me And, uh, and so it was such an honor. I was a huge fan as a, as a, Teen, yeah. and then I met Trey around six, 17 years old, something like that, mm-hmm. and I became his musical director like almost right away. No sure. And we were playing shows and making songs and in the studio, and it was so cool. And through him, I got introduced to Lonnie Marshall from Weapon of Choice, started mm-hmm. playing in that group, Kim Hill from Black Eyed Peas, Snoop Dogg, ultimately, I ended yeah. up playing with Snoop. I did read that you had worked with Snoop Dogg as well. Yeah. Uh-huh. So yeah. talk about cutting your teeth. That's <laughs> right? pretty exactly. fucking awesome. Oh, yeah. I got to yeah. be a young guy playing play with Snoop Dogg. And... Uh, uh, and then, and then once you know, I was always developing as a solo artist as mm-hmm. well, writing songs, making records. Um, I had an opportunity to to do some songs for a soundtrack of a movie called Mercy Streets. Okay, and I had a few originals that were already done that uh, the director really wanted in the film, and then I wrote a few specifically for it. And our deal was, 
I get to keep the masters. Mm-hmm. It was all recorded at two inch tape. This was like before, you know, I was, I think I was 22 maybe or something like mm-hmm. that. So it would have been 20 years ago. <laughs> yeah. Well, who's counting, right? <laughs> right? But who's counting? Yeah. Um, so all recorded at tape. Uh, the deal was he gets to use the songs in the movie. I get to keep the masters mm-hmm. and, and retain ownership and rights over which it all. that doesn't happen very often. no that was no, a huge deal doesn't. i didn't even realize that that was such a great deal yeah but i was stoked and, and those recordings were a big part of what kind of allowed me to break out as a solo artist mm-hmm. um i was already playing in so many clubs all, all around la and with so many people and just in the scene and then i got signed i got signed to maverick which mm-hmm. is madonna's label under warner and it was such a cool thing i made a made a record with the matrix and they were a hot production writing group at that time you mean the movie the matrix no no not the movie the uh there there was a production group still, okay uh, of course my fucking mind goes to the movie well no yeah. a great movie uh-huh so forget <laughs> <laughs> but um, but no, the Matrix were also a writing and production team. Okay. They did Avril Lavigne's first record. Who, by the way, is come like everybody's coming back talking about Avril Lavigne again. Yeah, dude. You know, like like she's some fucking martyr from the past. It's amazing because like <laughs> I don't know. I've had a few interviews with people recently because I write for a magazine called Mundane that my friend Luca owns. Yeah. And uh, the last girl I spoke to said. You know, she was talking about Avril Lavigne for like 20 minutes. That's like, so funny. Where the hell well, she's, this? at this point, she's been, you know, she's been in it and doing it for a while and she's worked with such cool people. It's so funny. Now we're going to talk about Avril Lavigne, aren't we? That's amazing. Imagine that. Um, well, it's funny because she, she is an important name in, in my life and my career too. Do you know her? Uh, I, we've, we've crossed paths when I was, when I was working with the Matrix way back okay. in the day. Um, but, you know, cause they, they, co-wrote and produced her whole first record with complicated and skater boy and I'm with you and the whole, all of it, you know? Mm -hmm. And while we were making my record, those songs like I'm with you came out Mm -hmm. while, when we were first starting making my record, it was a really exciting time. And I got priority at the label and everything. And then the, and then that was right in the sweet spot, the sour spot as it were. Yeah. uh, When, when uh, you know, the music industry more or less collapsed. Well, that's the funny thing, man, is I was listening, listening to Don Henley talk on Howard Stern a while back and I know his daughter plays music as well. Mm-hmm. Um, and Howard asked him, like, what do you, what advice do you have for your daughter or anybody else coming into the music industry? And I was like, don't fucking do it. Exactly. You know? Stay out of it. <laughs> he said, stay out of it. Cause it's chaos. <laughs> there is no music industry right now. Yeah. And like, it's funny because you say you were born in LA mm-hmm. and you know, you dove right into music. You practically came out of your mother's scene. Right. You know what I mean? And I know that working in music for just a few years at this point in time has eradicated most of whatever little bit of sanity I had left, but to like (laughs) dive right into the fucking crucible like that has got to just like, it's got to just be insane. You it's know been what I trial mean? by fire. It's yeah. been a lifelong series of trial by fire. But the thing is, I've learned one of the most important lessons that I can learn to make my life livable, mm-hmm. which is that that is what it's supposed to look like. Yeah. If you're when you're on a path like that, and it's to learn not, that really young is exactly. is psychotic because I don't even feel like I have gotten a total grasp on you that yet. Need to have a you need to reach a critical point of experience yeah. in order to have that realization because otherwise it just beats you down. That that's mm-hmm. that's what it does. But Listen, for me, it's always been about reconnecting and staying connected to my focus of just loving music. I first started creating music and singing and playing piano and this and that and the other thing before I knew what an industry was, what money or success or any of those things, before I had any concept of what those things were. Sure. Music was 
you know, an inseparable part of me. And so I'm really fortunate to have that because mm. uh, I can connect to it and, and it, 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 I can connect to it no matter what, in any circumstance, it does not matter. And, I, and, and as a result, I get to be in control and in charge of how I feel about, about stuff. Well, what you said a minute ago before we actually started was you need music for nothing other than the sake of doing music. Right. You know I what no I mean? ulterior motives. And that's fucking incredible <laughs> because, you know, I know I came into this whole you know, world of music with the same mindset, so to speak, but there was always this panicky undertone to everything where it was like, you know, how do I blend this reality with the fact that I really do need success kind of thing. And I think that not, they say you need to be obsessed with music. You have to be obsessed with the arts in order to achieve what you want or what you don't know you want, but it's going to come with really, really hard work. And honestly, dude, like, I think it also takes (laughs) some serious fucking insanity too. You know what I mean? Because more often than not, you don't get what you put back in. You don't. And it's like doing the same thing over and over again, expecting different results. But lo and behold, this is like the one thing, like where there, whereas there's nothing guaranteed in the music industry right Right. now. What is guaranteed is if you keep doing it over and over and over again, if you, entertain that insanity, you will get results. You will get different results. And at this point in time, like I know you're working in film, right. uh, you know, you are working with names that people have, uh, you know, have had on posters on their walls for <laughs> like, you know, fucking decades. Um, and you're currently working on a film with what, what is it? Diane Keaton? Well, I, fi- yeah, I finished uh, scoring it. It was actually came out now like a year ago or mm-hmm. so or more. Um, yeah. Love weddings and other disasters. Sure. Me and Noah Needleman, who's Brett Young's musical director. And I play with Brett also. And we've been writing in production partners now for years and we've scored that film. You have Diane Keaton, Jeremy Irons, amazing cast. Yeah. Maggie Grace, really cool people. Oh, Jeremy Irons. I, I, yeah. I always associate him with, uh, the remake of Lolita. Oh, oh, you yeah. know. Oh, um, I know exactly what you're talking about. Yeah. Of course. I mean, he was Scar in the. Uh, <laughs> he was also Scar. <laughs> he was Scar. Yeah, that. yeah. Mm-hmm. Uh, but I mean, I love the original Lolita. I'm like obsessed with that movie. Yeah. And then they did the remake, and uh, he was, you know, like this erotic horny old man, you know, who just wanted to bang this child. And, yes. Like, you know? Um, <laughs> so that's, that's where my mind goes at this point. Totally. I have Jeremy seen Irons. that movie. That's probably the movie I'm most familiar with him from also actually. Yeah. And it's a great one and a great, amazing book. Yeah. Well, Nab- I actually Nabokov. started reading the book last year. Oh, great. And Nabokov is, you know, he, he writes, he's almost like this, like this precursor to Chuck Palahniuk yeah. um, in this weird way, like this stream of consciousness, this prose, uh, style of writing. And I mean, I read a lot of Bukowski. <laughs> I, I've, read, I've read plenty of Bukowski too. Yeah. Uh-huh. He, he is, uh, he's like a Bukowski on PCP, you know what I mean? Um, but I read a lot of literature, uh, pre 20th century literature, whatever. And I tell you what, Nabokov fucked me up. I know. I was reading Nabokov. I was like, good God, this guy's on something entirely different. Totally. But it takes a neurotic man to write a book about, a relationship between a young woman and like and an underage well, woman and an old man, you know, yeah, and make it charming. It's like, <laughs> right. And find these weird points in it. Oh gosh. Yeah, yeah. Yeah. So you read a lot. It's pretty, I do. You know, I actually, I love listening to books and courses. I listen, I, li- I do the great courses yeah. all the time. So I just listen to like lecture series. Yeah. I, I listen to a lot of stuff about physics and quantum mechanics. Well, and that's stuff. actually really fucking cool. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Uh, Cause I've got a big thing for that. And I yeah. read Dawkins and oh yeah, Christopher Hitchens, those guys, I actually met Richard Dawkins. Oh, that's awesome. Yeah. I think it was like two and a half years ago now. 
Um, I remember because I was really fucked up in the crowd. <laughs> uh, these days I'm not so fucked up. Right. Um, yeah. But congratulations. By yeah, the way, that's one. Thank you. Um, <laughs> I I met him after the fact. Oh, and I got to shake his hand. Guy's a fucking funny. asshole. Really? It was awesome. It was so cool. It was yeah. like, if he were nice to me, I was like, this would have ruined my whole universe of Richard Dawkins. But I mean, he was just like kind of this cold, condescending prick. I was like, that was awesome. Wow. <laughs> you know? That's amazing. He signed my book and, and whatnot. So, um, you know, you read, you have this obsession with physics and, you know, this world outside of yourself, this world that's bigger than yourself, mm -hmm. which, you know, hearing you talk and hearing about the people you've worked with, it's incredible um, because you do have this fascination with getting involved in as many projects as you can. You know yeah. what I mean? It's, oh. like, it's like the physics of the arts. Well, kind of, absolutely. Yeah. 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 I mean, the interconnectedness mm -hmm. of everything, the autonomy and individuality of everything while simultaneously being inseparably interwoven. Yeah. And that's, you know, it's the same thing as just realizing what is the natural shape of things. We're in, with, in this career in music, it is supposed to be up and down, up and down, and lots of down stuff. There's oh, yeah. tons of it. That doesn't mean you're failing. That doesn't mean you're doing it wrong. Uh -huh. It doesn't mean you're not good. It doesn't mean this is not what you're supposed to do. It, it's just that is what it's supposed to be. Yeah. You know, most of the time people get signed to, to a record label and their record never comes out. That's mm -hmm. what happens most of the time. It's like selling a screenplay and exactly. the movie never gets fucking made. Or a pilot. I've been in several pilots sure. that never made it to air, mm -hmm. you know, and the excitement and you sign a contract and you do this and then, the and then it's like, nah, nah. Mm -hmm. You know, and that's, but that's how it is. That's yeah. what, that is what it actually is. That doesn't mean, that's not a sign that everything's gone wrong and that you are not worthy, you know? Mm -hmm. And it takes a lot of self-control. It takes a lot of trial and tribulation and just thick fucking skin Absolutely. to be able to put up with that over yeah. and over and over again. And to you, like I said, you have to be obsessed with it. You yes. really have to be willing to do music and the arts for no other reason than I fucking love this. It's all I know. Yeah. And I mean- I, it just, uh, you know, I feel like you embody that quite well. Well, thanks, man. I, yeah. d I definitely, you know, I play music when I'm alone all the time, mm -hmm. you know, it's, uh, there, the, my, my world of music is, it encompasses more than just performing for other people, recording and releasing music, trying to sell music or create music as a commodity. Those are all kind of after thoughts mm -hmm. for me. My favorite thing is to create music alone. When I share it with people, I want to invite them into as un, you know, uh, messed up, of a version of that as possible. I'd love for people to just be able to be voyeurs without me even realizing they're there, mm -hmm. you know? Um, and that's what I try to bring, you know, to performance and just the real thing, basically like figuring out how to find validation internally. Mm -hmm. And for me, I, I kind of see external validation seeking as a, just an end, a black hole of, yeah. of, of feedback loop. That's where the real chaos is. Well, absolutely. Because the yeah. truth is you, you don't ever even know what other people think of you. You only know what you think they think of you. Yeah. You only know your filtered version of that. Yeah. So yeah. it's already too convoluted. We know we've all played the game of telephone yeah it gets messed up right away we yeah. all have memories it's fallible you you know what i mean i could have sworn i put this thing right here i can see it in my mind no you didn't well, i'm didn't definitely <laughs> a prey to delusion of reality myself yes. um which is something i've had to work on overcoming you know trying to rectify reality uh in my own head to what i want it to be and i have all these you know stupid expectations that are so otherworldly and you know my solution to that used to be getting high getting right. fucked up and mm -hmm. what have you so it's taken some 
serious humility over the course of two and a half years at this point in time to make sense of a world that otherwise makes absolutely no fucking sense. Yes, it's, yes. there's a lot of not making any sense that, yeah. that happens in this world, uh-huh. you know? And you wonder why all these rock stars die and everything like that. And it's just, yeah. you know, uh, subjecting themselves to this reality. It's it's beautiful, but it's it's tragic at the same time. And, you know, it, it feels like an endless cycle of martyrdom. Um, but before I get too morbid on all this <laughs> shit, because I always do that. You know? Sure. <laughs> right, absolutely. But, you know, listen, my mind has gone there and I've gone there before and that's how I developed the techniques and technologies to be able to find a way through it Mm -hmm. and go this is the same landscape landscape only changes because my perspective changes you know what I mean no longer seeking external validation just enjoying it when it happens appreciating and understanding and respecting other people's ideas and thoughts and their whole entire universe that they create Mm -hmm. understanding the difference between our internal subjective reality and our external shared objective reality. Our shared reality is a collection of universes mm-hmm. created by a bunch of individuals. And we have to come to a consensus somehow. But each one of those individuals has a fully developed internal reality where they are in control of, of everything, more or less, even if they don't feel like it. Yeah. It's, still, it's still your mind which creates your reality. And, you know, it's like uh, to have that kind of collective attitude toward a world that is so competitive and sure. people like the people are no strangers to stabbing others in the back and furthermore getting stabbed in the back and it becomes this endless blood circle totally. you know what i mean it, is that is very refreshing to hear that perspective yeah. um because a lot of the time in arts and music it's like walking into a dark room you don't know what the fuck's gonna happen you know you, totally. you don't know if you're gonna come out on the other side alive right. and some people don't and yes, no. I mean, whether it be physically dead or mentally and emotionally dead, mm-hmm. you know, yeah. it's uh, it's a really bizarre thing to have to rectify in yeah. your own head. And uh, I don't want to get too far away from this because you were talking no, okay. about no, but I think it's okay sometimes for certain parts of your idea of of self and reality to die. Mm-hmm. You know, death is natural. It's as natural as birth. It's also extremely popular. Everyone's doing it. Mm-hmm. <laughs> <laughs> well, shit, I can't wait. <laughs> can't, be, can't be that bad. Yeah, all right? everybody yeah. seems to be you know all about it. You know, uh-huh. just, it droves. But um, but no, it's okay for those parts of yourself. Your connection to expectation. Your connection to a belief that your internal reality is directly related to shared reality space. Mm-hmm. That's one of the things I realized a while ago is that it's not like that. Just me imagining wanting something. Like disappointment can only exist if you believe that there's an alternative to the reality that you're living in because basically what disappointment is is this shared reality doesn't match up to my imagination in my mind, in my own personal reality, which is a hundred percent real for me, but only me, (laughs) you know what I mean? Nobody else, we have to share the rest of it. So the rest of it just happens as it happens. And of course you can attune yourself. People talk about that as manifestation and stuff like that. I like to think of it less as manifestation in that you are bringing these things into existence, but more that you are bringing, you're honing your focus so that you see them when they're there. Mm -hmm. You may be looking right at it and not see it until it's you manifest it by focusing yourself internally. Well, in the spirit of manifestation mm-hmm. and what you have to bring to this collective reality, you're holding a guitar right I now. I am holding a you're guitar. Holding a guitar and I know you're fucking itching. Because I know it's like to, as a musician to hold a guitar and not touch it, you know what I mean? And not not, not toy around with it. So, uh, it's so hard. I heard you perform two months ago and 
now that we have music synced up on the podcast, yeah, I would love dude. to hear you perform a song for these people who are listening right now. Of course. And Tony, our sound guy, Tony <laughs> Sanders, because uh, he's here too. Yeah. Hey, Tony. You left no stone unturned Flipped every leaf and lizard With your face down in the dirt You're too blind to be forgiven Well, the sands of time are soft and fine They slip right through your fingers You're looking for inspiration You don't know where to find it If you want to find inspiration Let it find you It seems like you've tried everything The noose is slowly tightening Newton and his apple the key on Franklin's kite string I know you felt this way a thousand times The thunder and the lightning To oh. say you're looking for inspiration And you don't know where to find it If you want to find inspiration let it find you Inspiration strikes at unexpected times Yeah, yeah, yeah It can come as pleasurable pain Oh, oh the minute that it's gone You want it back again You need it like the desert Craves the rain Oh Well you're looking for Inspiration And you don't know Where to find it If you want to find Inspiration Let it find you Oh you stay Looking for inspiration But you don't know Where to find it If you want to find Inspiration, let it find you. If you want to find inspiration, let it find you. Yeah. Oh, I dig that. Right? A song called Inspiration. Inspiration. Mm-hmm. Yeah, yeah. Inspiration. Solid message because I'm always <clears throat> the one who's seeking inspiration and I lose my fucking mind in the process. Right, so. because if you're trying to... It's, inspiration is something that needs to find you. Yeah. It's an involuntary process, mm -hmm. actually. It's like sleep or arousal. Yeah. You know what I mean? If you try to force arousal, we all know what happens. Well, it doesn't I'm a work. Chronic insomniac, chronic insomniac, and I'm a virgin, so <laughs> I wouldn't know anything about like those things. Yeah. <laughs> Speaking of Madonna. Um, but you know what's funny, man? 
I'm, you, you had to have heard this before. You sound like Ben Harper. Have you gotten that? I have gotten, and, and, and I'm fortunate enough to be friends with Ben Harper. No shit. Yes. So tell me about some Shout of these people that you know. You know Ben Harper. I do. And I kind of know everybody a little bit. You knew Chris Cornell, which <laughs> yeah. just blew my fucking mind. Yeah, man. Yeah. Yeah. It blew my fucking mind too and continues to blow my mind. Uh-huh. And the the depth of our connection continues because I hold him so deeply in my heart and in my soul and yeah. we like you know i mean that dude i was not the first person to feel like a kindred relationship with him but i am one of them you know yeah. i love i i just we connected we had the same birthday no shit mm-hmm. july 20th coming up oh how about that and uh yeah and Man, I just I just miss him. And when I think back about his generosity and benevolence and the way that he treated me and embraced me into his world with like with nothing ahead of time. Mm-hmm. Just like I dig you, I dig your vibe, I like the way you make music. Let's do some stuff together. Yeah. Like come join you know, come join me <clears throat> on on TV, on the radio, doing that 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 acoustic performance where we did nothing compares to you, that was a last minute. He was like, "Hey man, you know, I want you to come and come in early and oh, do shit. this thing with me." Absolutely, dude. That 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 just that blows my mind. It because blows my mind. That's too, how I recognized yeah. your name because I've listened to that song so many fucking times, so many times yeah. with uh, Chris Cornell doing "Nothing Compares to You," the Prince tune, mm-hmm. Sinead O'Connor, um, acoustic on Sirius XM, and in the middle of it. In yep. the middle of it, he goes, Keaton Simons. Keaton Simons. He says your name. And then you start then playing play a, solo a solo over it. And when Leah said your name, I was like, motherfucker, that's, that's the guy. Yeah. You know? Um, so I just, I, I tell you what, man, that was, that was so jarring for me because Chris Cornell has got, you know, such a special parceled place in my heart. Um, you know, my dad and I absolutely love everything Chris has done. I love grunge, everything, everything grunge. Um, and so that was huge for me because I, I I love that song. I love everything the guy ever did. How did you meet him? I actually met him. My, my stepdad is an actor. My stepdad is is Eric Roberts. Eric Roberts. Uh I've looked you up a little bit. Yes. Uh You have a, we have a Wikipedia page. I've got a Wikipedia. My name hyperlinks and a text message and Instagram still won't give me a fucking blue check. Those bastards. (laughs) 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 But but anyway, uh, I digress. So Eric was in, uh, uh, Chris's music video Mm -hmm. for, for, uh, um, nearly forgot my broken heart which actually i i want to i i watched that recently yeah man dude it it, it fucked with me it's because b- because he, of the yes. yeah he's at the gallows i know you know bro. what i mean it was I some know. like bizarre morbid prophetic thing I but know. they you held know. that they held that back they didn't they like they pulled it for a while did they really yes they did absolutely i i mean that hit me like a ton of bricks as soon as i heard yeah. the news because that was and you know eric eric and my mom mm-hmm. eliza they they are my biggest champions they're out there just like you know they might as well be driving around in a car with my face on the side of it going, hey, listen to some music and throwing like CDs. Eric, I think, said to Chris, like, I bet you get a lot of tapes. Something like that. You know? <laughs> and Chris was like, what are you talking about, dude? <laughs> you know? But he, but you know, Chris's kids and he still loves his kids and they're so cool and everybody's musical and doing stuff together. Mm-hmm. And so he's just talking, you know, and Eric's like, you know, my stepkid's a musician, like real deal. Like not like, you know, just some dude. So here, check it out. Take a thing. Listen to it. 
listened to it. Then he hit me up on Twitter, actually. No shit. Well, yeah, and was like, bro, I've been like listening to your stuff and checking you out on YouTube and stuff and like, you know, fan. And I've said, come on, dude. Come on, yeah, buddy. Yeah, like, I, I would have. No, no, no. I would have expected to just wake up from the Matrix, right, you know, right, and yeah, from, I, from the fake reality. Yeah, like Chris Cornell just messaged doing, me on Twitter. Right after I finished yeah. doing backflips, and it was just you know for like a gymnast for yeah. twenty minutes straight. Um, no, I, of course I flipped out. I said I'll do anything. I'll play triangle in your band. I yeah, don't, you know what I mean? Like give me a whatever. Give me an instrument. I'll, the Emperor's new instrument. I don't mm-hmm. care. Um, and and then yeah, then he asked me to come and play some guitar with him. And it was incredible, incredible experience to change my life. And, and him just saying my name and announcing me before that solo. Yeah. It's, it's like fabled at this point in time. It's just crazy, dude. It's just, it's just, it's just, it's, it's, you know, it may be the most generous thing anyone's ever done for me. Just well, from say what my I name. understand, he was an incredibly generous person. It, incredibly. You know, and incredibly. I, I can't, you know, from a, outside perspective because you hear all these things about famous people and celebrities and what have right. you and we're so quick to be like oh they're a great guy and we or, or they're a bad guy we don't mm-hmm. fucking know these people at all of course, you know what i mean course. but from what i understand and what i've heard about chris cornell is that he was immensely gracious yeah. and he, he he was such a, a, a kind soul and that's everything you want to believe about your heroes yeah you know, well, that was my experience with him. That's incredible. My experience with him was just completely wonderful. There was not even a moment of anything else. I mean, mm-hmm. you know, he's a real dude, and we talked for real. And when I first started playing with him, like, you know, I was I, I I came out here and like was played whiskey jam and stuff, and was just hanging with with some peeps, and and I've been playing whiskey jam since the beginning. Yeah, you know, I like I love this guy. I love Ward and Josh Hogue. Oh, this is how I first originally got sure. got uh, in with it. I was just off the road. With with him and uh, we were doing a writers round. Me, Hogue, uh, Rob Blackledge was playing with 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 Josh and and playing, and that guy is brilliant. And also Matt Duke, who okay. if you haven't heard Matt Duke, he is a, a genius in no uncertain terms. I don't have any problem over. I can overhype him more than you would be comfortable with, and you'll still be impressed. Well, anybody who's out there, write that name down. Matt because, Duke. Yeah, I mean, uh-huh. forget about it, and forever. Like that's just he's just the man. But um. So, so yeah, the whiskey jam and people were like, dude, you're playing here. You're playing with Chris Cornell. Mm-hmm. Well, you know what I mean? Like my hero, you know, and people who have number one hits on the radio and they're like, I would do anything in the room with him and all this kind of stuff. And I'm, I always want to connect dots. You know mm-hmm. what I mean? I always want to find, find the flow that's right. You know what I mean? I'm never going to push a situation that's uncomfortable, but shit, if I can, if I can be a guy who introduces somebody to somebody and then it becomes a beautiful thing. I've introduced people to their, to their husbands and wives and babies band members and producers and all that kind of stuff. And it just makes me so happy, you know? So if you introduce me to my wife and I end up getting fucking married, uh, (laughs) I will never forgive you. (laughs) Don't do it. (laughs) Well, uh, yes. Only people who are happy with the thing. Uh, Nobody's nobody's been like, you son of a bitch who introduced me to this person. They ruined my life. Oh, marriage. That's a happy thing. I had no idea. (laughs) (laughs) Yeah, right. Exactly. Well, I guess, you know, if you decide to do it in this, in this day and age, it should be a happy thing. Yeah. Yeah. Talk about chaos and the crapshoot, but I shouldn't say that my parents are still very happily married and, well, that's and very amazing. much in love. Yeah. That's wonderful. Uh-huh. That's then that's incredible. Yeah. But but yeah, I mean, come on. I'm a I'm a big cynic when it comes to all that kind of stuff too. I just like to I'm a non-subscriber, dude. I mm-hmm. like to I like to uh to learn about stuff and then realize that they're all ideas that were, you know, that came were 
brought about by people. I'm a person. I, I have ideas too. I want Last to see what my so idea mine. is, right? Exactly. Yeah. And I want to know what your idea is too. I don't want to know, you know, someone else's idea through you. I want to hear your ideas. I have them. way too many fucking ideas and it drives well, me insane. Well, that's good though. That's good. I know the feeling. <laughs> I guess so. You know what I mean? It's a boiling, dirty black think tank from time to time. But sure. Um, sure. <laughs> nonetheless, I guess that's the price we pay as neurotic thinkers and artists and that kind of thing. Absolutely. So, yeah, we got to be real sensitive, man. We're the ones who who comment about stuff. And really what we do is we speak as vulnerably and honestly about ourselves as we possibly can. And that's the connection point. Well, there's everyone the has power the and vulnerability. Exactly. Yeah. And everyone was a baby crying in their mother's arms. Everyone knows what it's like to be afraid and confused and try to look around and try to figure out what is this thing. And even with every bit of information and technology, we still don't know shit. Yeah. You know, so it's like, it's, you can only have this approximate understanding of anything really. Mm -hmm. um, but you know that you have yourself, you know that you exist in a certain continuum in a certain continuous way. Um, but then there's a deeper self that's not even connected to our story of self and our accomplishments in, in shared reality space. You yeah. know what I mean? So we've got a lot to work with and the darkness, I think there's space for it. And I, the reason I'm not competitive is because I think there's more than enough room for every individual there's just not room for people who are trying to walk on someone else's path. Yeah. There's enough room for every individual unique path, but you, you run into problems when you're not walking your own. You know, it's funny. I completely agree. And, and in certain realms of industry or art, whatever, unfortunately that, that can work, um, yeah. is, you know, trampling other people. But what I love so much about Nashville, uh, when I first got here and up until now, five years later, I mean, it's, there's this really awesome air of camaraderie. Yeah. You know what I mean? It, 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 it's, it's fucking awesome. It really is. And that's why I'm so comfortable here. I don't want to go anywhere else. Oh. I love it here. And anybody who, I, who has tried to pull some cloak and dagger bullshit, mm. I realize they, they, they just ostracize themselves. It's a natural filtration system in this city that, um, it's like wearing a scarlet letter. It's like, Oh, you know, that guy tried to fuck somebody over. And we know that. Exactly. And I, I just, that's something I never take for granted. I've never taken for granted. And, uh, you know, to come out of a world of arts like yourself and to still have that grip on reality is an anomaly. It really is. And, um, I don't know, man, it's just, it's exciting to have you here and I'm looking forward to hearing you play again outside yeah, of the, where are you playing? Where, where are we going to get? To well, see you, you know, it's amazing. I, so, so, uh, a great artist, Matt Ferranti, uh -huh. is also a member of the Brett Young band. And he is just, he's a killer artist. He's been, he's really coming into his own as a writer and as a performer um, through this, through the, the, pandemic and so on. Um, he's taken every opportunity that he can safely to perform, you know, still doing the stuff. And like, as soon as stuff opened back up, he and his band were the first ones down there. And I love to play, you know what I mean? So I just sit in when I sit in and I, you know, I know the stuff I learned the stuff. I played a few riffs on a couple of the records mm -hmm. and so on and so forth. And my favorite thing in the world to do is to improvise. And I love to experience music from the inside. In fact, that's the way that I like to experience it for the first time. That's part of the reason why I love writer's rounds. Yeah. Because I'm hearing a lot of songs for the very first time and I get to play it. I get to experience it from the inside out. Mm -hmm. You know, and people ask me, oh, how long have you been playing with these guys? And I'm like, now, just now. Yeah, uh -huh. <laughs> <laughs> what you just saw and that is all. Well, um, the thing about writer's rounds is 
you know, any musician in the city, I feel like that, you know, and I've had this attitude toward them as well, which, you know, is, is absurd because I think about my best friends that I've met and the people I've collaborated with the most and case in point, you're here today. Right. People get very cynical about writer's rounds mm. and they're like, I don't want to fucking do that. You know, it's lower rung stuff, but funny. yeah, I mean, to have the willingness and the humility to step in and sit on stage with four other people, one-on-one, play your own song, you know what I mean, is really awesome because I think here in Nashville right now, it's different. Mm -hmm. It's not about one person going and trying to get a record deal. It's about who you meet in the grassroots level. That's exactly right. Yeah. uh That's one of the things, that's one of the benefits that have come from the music industry collapse, mm -hmm. um, the former music industry model collapse, because there've been a lot of new avenues that have been created as a, as a byproduct of that, the kind of mid-level you know, the, the, the middle-class musician, that was something that Don Henley would be like, don't get into the music industry. There's no more private jets, yeah, you know, uh-huh. but I don't need a private jet. I don't need to live some crazy extravagant lifestyle at all. In fact, I really, I really enjoy living very simple stuff. I like to, you know, make food from scratch, from just whole ingredients. I would prefer to be growing all of those things myself just for fun. You know what I mean? I like to make the music. I, I like to make music music in order to listen to music, you know what I mean? Like, so, but what you were talking about before, I was going to say, you know, that kind of, you can be a cloak and dagger backstabber, but you will end up screwing yourself because that instant karma thing is a real thing. And the reason, like, to me, it makes perfect sense. It's not because there's, I don't believe it's because there's some grand equilibrium out there balancing things out. I think it's because of the individual in their mind. Everybody knows what they do. Yeah. Everybody knows who they are. And you can only live with yourself so much. I've seen a lot of people become very, very successful through shady means and they're miserable. Yeah. And it does not matter how successful they are on paper, how much paper money they have in their in their accounts and things like that. It doesn't matter. I would not trade places with them in a in a million years because they're not happy. Yeah, you're goddamn right. I just I wonder because I, I was just thinking the same thing where it's like if you are accustomed to spitting poison, it means you're fucking full of poison. Absolutely, and you've got to hate yourself. Right, you it have sucks to hate to yourself. Person, it, it really does. And in that regard, I, I, I do look at people who normalize that kind of behavior yeah. within themselves and outside of themselves. And I think the only way to deal with that. And uh, to find any kind of harmony between yourself and the reality of people who do want to hurt you um, is the fact that they are hurting themselves. And and all you can do is just, hey, man, you know, hope for the best Mm -hmm. kind of thing. Uh, And if you let yourself furthermore be a victim of that, and then you feel bad for yourself, and then you say, this is what defines the industry, this is what defines everything around me, then at that point in time, then, you know, you're swallowing poison too. And I I just, I, I can't stand sadistic, malicious people, obviously, but I totally. also can't stand when people fucking feel sorry for themselves, you know? Absolutely. Self-victimization it's, is the oh, most self-destructive, selfish thing, it's, you know? It's it's absurd, you know? Yeah. And I mean, I, I whatever, I've spent plenty of time feeling sorry for myself. And of course, I, how else are you going to learn that it's bullshit? Exactly. <laughs> you uh-huh. got to give it a shot. It's all go, bullshit. It's bullshit. It is, but you, you come from a background and a family of really hard workers. That's true. You know, uh, I know your sister is Emma Roberts. Yep, yep. Yeah, yeah. Uh-huh. Stuff says. She is an actress. She She's uh, in American Horror Story yeah, and she's, all that stuff. Yeah, dude, she's a big yeah. star. Uh-huh. Mm-hmm. She's done good things. Uh, she was in a movie a while back that I watched, Black Coat's Daughter, that I really dug. Mm-hmm. You know, yeah. A24 does 
the best fucking movies yeah, in the world. Did. Yeah. yeah. Uh-huh. And she does lots of cool stuff. She's always like at Sundance with some underground project, even though she does lots of mainstream stuff too. Sure. It's super great. And my whole family, very, very hard workers and all kind of decided to do the thing that they wanted to do. Mm-hmm. And so make life all about work. Um, you know, one of the things that I've learned is that it's important to have some balance. Like I, for me, like, I don't really see playing music as work. You know, I recognize that parts of it are work usually when I feel exhausted at the end. And then I just feel okay about having any downtime that I have. What do you do in your downtime? How do you maintain whatever sanity you have left? I mean, you know, I listen to all those courses and yeah. stuff like that. I, I think a lot, I play so much music. I mean, my downtime sometimes, and, and, I realized actually that part of the reason why taking time away from instruments is a good thing for me is because I have this really interesting mental uh, way of, of like imagining the patterns and stuff. And that starts to go run on, on its own mm-hmm. automatically. And then when I go back to that instrument, I'm better at it somehow. And it's because I've been strengthening, strengthening a different muscle. I've been practicing something else. We kind of have to practice whatever it is. Like, that's why when people say, oh, I'm too good for a this or a that, it's like, okay, well then prepare to not be very good at it no after shit. a while because you'll, you'll, you'll lose your chops. Yeah. Like, stay, keep your chops up. Do it. Don't, you know, do it for you. Do it because you want to do it. Do it because exactly. you want And if you don't want to do it, do not. Uh-huh. Like, absolutely. By all means, by the same, same token. Like mm-hmm. if, if you're going, oh, I've got to do another writer's journal, then that's not for you. You know yeah. what I mean? And like, that's, that's what I was going to say in response to what you were saying before. You know, if you end up around a lot of people who are toxic, if I end up around people who are toxic, the first thing I go to is self-responsibility. I go, what, what decisions am I making? What's happening in me that I'm bringing myself into this space? Exactly. Because typically I don't find myself surrounded by that because Mm -hmm. I try to lead by example. I don't engage on an egoic level. So if people are trying to be competitive and, and snarky or whatever it is with me, I just don't meet them there. Yeah. I meet them somewhere else and it almost always works. And if it doesn't, that's fine too. Or it works out in a way that you wouldn't expect either ways. You Mm -hmm. know what I mean? And it's like, I, I mean, I'm such an advocate of accountability, self-accountability, yeah. and I never, I, mean, I thought I was in the past, but, you know, then I always found myself, you know, feeling bad for myself right. and, and, and acting out in that way. And uh, that that is a lesson of hard knocks that you need to learn. And I realized that when I was snorting pills every day and getting fucked up and, you know, I mean, I, I said, I don't feel bad for myself. It's, it's, um, whatever, I, 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 I deal with the hard shit and then I, I, you know, go through and then there I am chopping a fucking line of pills. You know what yeah, I mean? Course, and what I've realized over the past two and a half years of being in sobriety is uh, one, it's one day at a time. And two, yeah. you have a role in everything. Absolutely. A role in everything, which is a fundamental lesson that uh, far too many people don't really grip onto and it becomes their demise. Yeah. And I say this without judgment because I know that I'm still prone to practices like that if I don't, you know, exercise exactly that, the humility yeah. involved. And I think we all are. I think by nature, because each individual creates an entire universe mm-hmm. in our mind, it only makes sense that we feel self-important. You yeah. know what I mean? We we have to be the most important person to ourselves. Otherwise, we ain't shit to anybody else. You yeah. know what I mean? We're not, we're not going to be 
worth anything to anybody else. That's how I see it. I'm the guy on the airplane who puts on my own mask and then helps others. You sure. know what I mean? Because that makes so much sense to me. What am I going to be some passed out asshole who can't help you because I didn't do the thing right? You well, know? What you just said right there, because you said, obviously you have to be the most important person yourself, but what you just hit it on the head when you mentioned helping other people. That's the one thing that all these self-help mantras leave out mm. is actually getting outside of yourself and helping somebody else exactly. and not obsessing over your own issues. Because I know that when I wake up in the morning and I'm like, I don't have this, I don't have this. And I, I just, I'm fucking miserable. Yeah. You know what I mean? Like borderline suicidal. And mm. uh, what the self-help mantras leave out is help someone else. Yes. And see, that's what, that becomes the thing. When you realize that that's what that does for you. It, it allows you to be able to effectively love other people yeah. and, and help other people. See, most people have what I consider to be a, a misguided belief that being uh, taking care of your own interests first is selfish and it, it, it is at the expense of other people. I think it's the exact opposite. Sure. I think that I see people chase their tail for their whole lives because they believe that they're selfless and about everybody else and they themselves are empty and they can't actually actually help anybody. So all they do is lead people on to believe that they can help them. And then they fall short because they don't know how, Mm -hmm. you know, because they can't do it inside, you know, and just whatever you, whatever you're hoping to radiate, try to, try to give that to yourself first. Fair enough. Give yourself the peace and grace and, 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 you know, nonviolent communication, let yourself off the hook, give yourself that kind of slack. The same thing that you would for everybody else. Realizing that you create your own universe is nothing without realizing that so does everyone else. Yeah. That's what's so important is that of course we're, we're important to ourselves. We create our universe. So are you to yourself. Yeah. I can't forget that either. So, you know, it's with all of that, that, that we can find that balance, I think. Yeah. Yeah. It's beautiful. And, mm-hmm. you know, I think that you're, contribution to the balance obviously is your music. And uh, I remember when I heard you play, you did one song that was just like, it was super upbeat and you're like, one, two, three, you were counting or something like that. Will you fucking play that? Oh yeah. Thank you so much. Come on. I feel a certain passion When you're there with me We start a chain reaction And fall again Fall again I'm off my feet I'm swept away I'm stranded Got my heart tethered Disbelief abandoned The hard way I learned that hard way Built a castle out of sticks and bones Here we go, when I get back home it's back to life One, two, three, go after the month's sacrifice Where did they go, take time to stop and feel alive What do we know, I know a feeling when it's right One, two, three, go Here alone, remember independence. We're gonna bring it all back home and feel that confidence. I love that confidence. Thinking in 
circles keeps my mind well rounded searching for subjects just to stay confounded and trying things i'm always trying things you built that castle out of sticks and bones well here we go when i get back home it's back to life one two three go after the months of sacrifice where did they go take time to stop and feel alive what do we know i know what feeling when it's right i want to start again that we finally yeah get to start mm-hmm. here we go when i get back home it's back to life one two three go after the month's sacrifice where did they go take time to stop and feel alive what do we know i know i'm feeling when it's right i want to think oh when i get back home it's back Tune. That's Thanks, a cool dude. tune. That was the one that stuck out in my head actually when the first time I saw you play. Uh, that sounds like a Lumineers song almost. Well, thank you. I love those guys. They're yeah. great, man. Yeah, I was that song. Uh, my favorite way to write is just improv- improvisation. That was going to be my next question: yeah. is when you go about writing a song because everybody has a different way of doing it. I know that best way I write a song. Yeah. I'm sitting alone in my room at three o'clock in the morning. Right. I, I, I'm not very good at. I mean, here's the thing: I can co-write. Yeah. I. I, I I do. I will co-write, and I can be good at it. I can yeah. set my expectations, my egos aside. But I know that when I write a song, it becomes very visceral because yeah. I write really dark music. I do. Yeah, um, I love your songs. I've I've heard your stuff. Man. I appreciate yeah, it. Absolutely. Thank you. Yeah, I did the Nine Inch Nails cover that you're yeah, really into. <laughs> um, but I mean, everybody has a different process. So when you write a song, what do you do? Right. Well, you know, I approach it. I'm I'm pretty wide open to to it and I, I love co-writing and I love writing alone and all that um, One Two Three Go is a song that I wrote alone and mm-hmm. it started um, just as an improvisation you know I'll just turn on my it's just an iPhone recorder or sometimes if I'm if I'm in a studio I'll set it up right and sure. do it you know and then I end up um, I don't I don't try to, to to stay to any specific lyrics. I'll just sing gibberish and some words, whatever sounds natural. But I end up getting the entire form and melody and vibe and shape of the song. And then if I listen closely and try to decode, it's almost like somebody who's talking in their sleep. Like when in the dream, if you've ever 
talked in your sleep. You know, if you're if, like, sometimes you'll be having a conversation in your dream and you're having a full fluid conversation, very articulate and so on and so forth. But if you actually see the person in waking world, they sound like a moron. They're just mumbling gibberish. You know what I mean? And so it's kind of like that. There's something in there. I know what I'm saying. And I decoded that, that uh, gibberish language. And that's the song that came out of it. What's, so, what's that song about? Uh, that song is, I mean, it's about a number of things. I, I learned so huh, much number about my things. <laughs> 123. Um, yeah. No, it's about kind of like, you know, I just come off, off the road and the, 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 the difference between that, that sharp juxtaposition between the being out and just out running the streets and every day is new and every moment's new. And then all of a sudden, boom, one, two, three, here we are back. And then yeah. like you get all the stuff that's like, oh, this is very different. But then there's all these wonderful things and here we are again. And we get to kind of start things over in a familiar place and that's all great. And then it also kind of occurred to me like everything happens all of a sudden that way, you know, and, and it's led me to, to a really, a really beneficial core belief shift, which is that, that imagining the future, becoming attached to our image of the future in detail, I think is a mistake. Sure. I think that unreasonable expectations. Well, it becomes again, yeah. it just yeah it becomes an expectation, and then it creates the opportunity for disappointment. Mm -hmm. When reality doesn't match up to your imagination, we feel disappointed, right? Yeah. And that's what. But if you accept that everything is just one, two, three, go. Here we are, re ready or not, like go. Oh, it's right funny because it's a song about like that frantic grappling with reality, but it's so comforting. You well, know right, I mean? of course, because, <laughs> because that's the thing with all of it. You know, you can frame, you can take the darkest, most horrendous thing. I mean, listen, you know, you, 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 you and I both, we both get it. <laughs> you know what I mean? Like we live in a world that's really fucked up, yeah. you know, and, and it's dark and it's horrible. And there are things that happen that are just absolutely unspeakable. And mm -hmm. even the thing, even when we find one thing or another thing to focus on, to try to help and try to make a difference, we're, we're, we're neglecting and ignoring myriad other things that are so horrifying that we can't even imagine them. You know what I mean? But still we have to live in this world mm -hmm. and it's just so much better if we try to find a loving path yeah. and try, I think we can be the most beneficial and helpful to the people who are suffering and for the hardships in the world. If we do those kinds of things, you know, I, I, I do a lot of stuff to benefit like early child development sure. and uh, child abuse prevention and things really? like that. Well, tell uh, me about uh, that. What do, what? Well, there's a great organization called the natural child.org. Okay. Um, really cool Jan Hunt and a few other people and they've written numerous books about child psychology and child development uh, and it's just it's just really cool open uh, open-minded thinking and nonviolent communication yeah. and and uh, you know just just in the spirit of of nurturing a, a, a more peaceful, happier, more loving uh, society, That's you know, awesome. world of people. Because the truth is, of course, you know, we model the, the idea that we're willing to use violence as a, as a means to resolve conflict. It like, like, you know, country to country, I think is really silly. We wouldn't, we wouldn't do that even at like 10 years old, you mm -hmm. know, it's very childish behavior, you know? And so I think, I think a lot of that kind of stuff comes from the way that people learn how to how to interact growing up. I think it's a frantic defense mechanism when you want to be offensive immediately right. kind of thing. And I actually, I work in youth rehab. Oh, great. I have to be there in like an hour and a half. Right. <laughs> <laughs> um, and uh, it's very much reiteration of those mantras where it's like, 
dude, you're not getting anything done, right. you know, trying to rip each other's throats out yep. or mine for that matter. <laughs> you know right. what I mean? Because, exactly. you know, but I, 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 they're good kids. They yeah. are when it comes down to it. And, um, you know, they've all experienced abuse in one way or another, um, some much worse than others. But why why do you go straight to um, the child abuse prevention thing? Is, is Sentimentally, what is that? Well, I mean, I definitely, yeah, I, I have personal um, stuff just knowing a lot about it. Mm-hmm. As, as a youth, my mother worked very closely in child abuse prevention when I was younger. And I've known a lot about just a lot of people's stories and a lot of stuff. And, and I've had, you know, experiences myself. And, um, but I think it's just starting at the source. Mm -hmm. I feel like if we are able to create more peaceful, loving environments in the home, starting from, from the beginning, uh, and rewrite that, that cycle and not, not use our fight or flight fear response. That's what it is. It's fight or flight and fear. Exactly. Yeah. And so that we have, because of course that's an appropriate response when something's about to eat you alive, but when you're trying to resolve an interpersonal conflict or within a romantic relationship or a governmental entity and another one, certainly you shouldn't be using your fight or flight response, right? So we got to figure out how to not engage that right away. We have to learn self-control. We have to learn how to sit with that stuff and get to another place rather than just behaving impulsively. I mean, you know, from working with kids, most of these kids, they're going through that stage in their life where you just are crazy and you're figuring it out. And how could you even know? How could you even have amassed the amount of experience and knowledge to be able to handle this shit yet? Yeah. You know? And so, of course, so many young people make these awful mistakes and then they they, they live with the consequences for the rest of their lives. It's shocking. It's shocking. And I can imagine, I feel like I might have been close to making a stupid mistake like that once or twice in my own life at that age. And now when I think back and think... Oh my God, I'm so happy that I made it to this point because I now know, I now have those skills and those abilities. And and I love being able to tell other people who are younger and say, everything you're feeling is right. It's not that what you're feeling is wrong. It's just that it gets better. You get, there is another side of this. There's a light at the end of that tunnel and every part of this process is essential. Otherwise it wouldn't be happening to you. You only have one story. Well, that's what I've learned so much in the past few years is that no matter what, it's all going to be okay. Uh, yes. And that is right. something that, you know, nobody wants to believe. You well, know? It's hard to believe it. It is know? hard to believe because everybody is prone to disappointment. But at the same time, you know, they're, the disappointment of not having their expectations met. But it, right. it, the thing is, is no matter what the fuck happens, I, I mean, this is how I survive on a daily basis yep. and how I tell these kids to survive when I work with them is like, no matter what, not on your terms, not always on your terms, right. but it's all going to be okay. Exactly. You know, yeah. just do the right thing. It's all going to be okay. And lo and behold, it has. Like, yep. I, I, I'm so grateful for what I have today. I'm so grateful for what, you know, I see people I work with achieve um, if they want to believe it at yeah. this point in time. And I think that, uh, you know, we're in a very troubling time in the world. Sure. We are. And I don't know, man. Like, I know we're not exactly where we should be, especially after the past year. But I mean, I look outside and I'm like, I wouldn't take this shit for granted for a single day. No, and and, and, and and it's fucking beautiful. Yeah. And, and that's, that's a feeling that I think people are having in mass. Yeah. Like it's a really uh, like that renewed, uh, 
presence and gratitude and appreciation for these little things, a connection to to self and more like self-sustainability. People yeah. were like, all right, how do I work from home? Mm-hmm. How do I live on a on an adjusted budget? How do I do, you know what I mean? All those yeah. kinds of things. How do I find the best lifestyle for myself mm-hmm. under a under in a world that is actually constantly changing yeah. and totally unpredictable to us as individuals? So we're, rather than having an unrealistic expectation that the world's just going to be this comfortable place for us. I mean, yeah. the fact that we're able to exist on this planet at all, it's, 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 you know what I mean? Like it's, it's pretty crazy. You think about it in the spectrum of the universe and how small and minuscule we are. Oh, yeah. but the I, person, like the, the, the odds are, are the craziest it's thing unreal. ever. It yeah. really is. And you know, the funny thing is, is I'm actually an atheist, but I, 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 just because we're small and just because we don't have as vast of an impact yeah. on the vast reality of things um, that doesn't take away meaning in life for me whatsoever. No, the you know? hugeness of of the universe and yeah. the fact that like even the even the boundaries of the universe that we can observe, like we get to the boundary and then we go, okay, and now what? And yeah. there's no idea, no way of actually knowing what we can try. We can try to find predictions and try to find the math and so on and so forth, but really we get just minimally closer and closer, you know? So yeah, I mean, we live in this major thing that's bigger than us. You know, in that sense, I totally like. That's how. That's that's where my my beliefs yeah. lie. You yeah. know, and that there's things I understand to an extent, and most things I don't. Well, to wake up in the midst of a world that you don't understand yep. the way that you'd like to, but to look forward to something like playing music, yes. look forward to something you know like working in this vast realm of art that most other people you know could only dream of. Yeah. Like to me, that's all the fucking meaning I need. That's you know what I mean? That's Absolutely. all the fucking meaning I need. Anything beyond that, I'm asking too much. Yeah. You know? And I, I I know better than to do that now. And I just I I do love it. Yeah. I, I really I I love having that renewed sense of understanding and perception. And again, I'm not yeah. always on top of it by any means. Like I that's I, how I will, you stay on top of it though. Yes. Uh-huh. It's, it's not, you know what I mean? It's about what you do in those situations mm-hmm. when you start to feel triggered because that's how you practice. That's how you get better at it. And then in time, you, you get quicker to the draw. When, yeah. when you get triggered, you start to go a different direction with it. You and know? you just might make it out alive. Exactly. <laughs> mm-hmm. Well, you talk about kids. Do you have kids? Do you want kids? I don't have kids. I think about whether or not I want kids all the time. Sure. Um, and I try to think about it extremely seriously. Mm-hmm. I have a... a, a an, you know, point of view on it that's pretty, pretty unique. You know, like, I, like for me, since life is all about self responsibility, and then the one choice that you don't personally make is to start the whole thing. Yeah, exactly. You know, uh-huh. and then you've got these people who are your parents who did make that choice, and sometimes they decide to be self responsible about it, and sometimes they don't. Mm-hmm. You know, and so for me, <clears throat> I want to make sure to the best of my ability, that I'm in a place where I can do the best possible job I can totally. and take full responsibility for a choice like that. Mm-hmm. To say to somebody, here it is, everything, and it's all on you now. I'm going to be there to be everything I possibly can, but at the end of the day, it's just it's just going to be them. They have to deal with all their own pain. They're going to have to deal with their own death. Mm-hmm. They're going to have to deal with 
suffering and so on, but they'll also get to experience love and joy and happiness. And my question for myself is, is it responsible for me to make that decision on someone else's behalf well, without their consent? Well, a lot of people don't ask themselves that question before they exactly. have kids, you know, and I'm not one to judge parenthood by any means because obviously I'm not a dad. Right. Um, ideally, I don't want to be, you know, I don't really want to be, but you know, I also came from a really loving, wonderful family who, you know, has unconditionally, uh, given and, you know, humbly received love in turn. And I know that it can work. I know yeah. that it can work wonderfully. And I mean, you tell me that your parents are constantly throwing your music out. Oh, you know yeah. what I mean? And, oh, yeah. and, and they just, my whole family has been like my biggest, you know, yeah. champions. It's been, it's, it's really wonderful. I'm so fortunate to, to have that. It's pretty incredible. So then your aunt is Julia Roberts. Is that right? Yeah. My step aunt. Okay. So Eric Roberts, my stepdad, uh, he and my mom have been married for about 30 years now, damn near. And, um, and yeah, his sister mm-hmm. is Julia. I just remember when Eric Roberts broke his leg in the dark night and then right? Aaron Eckhart shot him in the back of the car. <laughs> was he in the Pope of Greenwich Village too? He was. Yeah. He was, uh-huh. Yeah. With Mickey Rourke. Mm-hmm. And uh, yeah. what actors do you know out in LA? Like, I mean, you. Bro, I know everybody. Man. Really? Yeah. Because my, my dad, Jimmy Simons, he's a producer. He produced Malcolm in the Middle and a lot of other TV stuff and movies. And and uh, my mom was a casting director for a long time and an actress. So I, I kind of just know everybody. My grandparents. Were were big influences in sitcom television from the beginning. Like sure, all in the family, Sanford Sons, Get Smart, Bewitched, all that kind of stuff. Yeah, all the way through, like Give Me a Break and The Nanny and Three's Company and shit. Yeah, yeah. So you've been surrounded by inspiration your whole life. Yeah, then. I've been surrounded by it, and yeah. I've also been able to see that the illusion of of uh, an inflated importance that comes from celebrity mm-hmm. that that is a complete illusion. Yeah, and uh, the people who who you know feel it the least are the ones the celebrities themselves just trying yeah. to figure out why why do I have this weird relationship with inflated self-image you know yeah. um, but I'm I'm really fortunate that I grew up in that world because it's all just cool it's all just kind of normal to me you know? yeah yeah you kind of get uh, vaccinated into exactly. the mindset kind of thing yes, because you I'm can either vaxxed. adopt it or you can actually you know learn from it which is great and I mean I have no experience in that I've never been famous you know right. <laughs> so yeah. Yeah. I don't think uh, I have either yeah, well, I just hey. got the hyperlink on the thing. Mm-hmm. That's, that's well, my claim to fame. We're having fun down here at the uh, at the ground level. Having said that, I've also never played with Chris Cornell. Um, of course. So you I tell you, being that. famous, I mean, it really, it, it can definitely be more trouble than it's worth. Yeah. People, I've, yeah. And especially now, especially in this day and age when celebrity is virtually meaningless, mm-hmm. when you can become a celebrity for nothing at all. It yeah. used to be that you had to like do something cool. Mm-hmm. All you have to do is get <laughs> a, an ability. a YouTube account, Instagram account at this point. Yeah. Yeah. If you got the right booty, it might work out for you. I'd like to think that I got do. the right abs. Yeah. Uh-huh. It, might, it might happen for you. <laughs> One thing or, at a time. Or also, if you're funny as hell, mm-hmm. self motivated, organized, talented, then you have a platform with no one else. You don't need anybody else. Mm-hmm. You know, you just can pop it out there. Oh, you mean you actually have to have yourself. attributes to offer something? But Imagine that's what that. I'm saying. Yeah. You can because because that's, that's their path. Yeah. I'm not going to be some guy with abs on Instagram who's going to get famous that way. And I don't need to even start walking on that path. Mm-hmm. <laughs> Those days, that ship has sailed. Yeah, yeah. Well, it looks like you're doing just fine yourself, man. You're playing with Brett Young. 
you know? Of course, um, I'm really grateful for, for my life. It's, it's pretty amazing. Funny thing, I actually know a guy who stole a bottle of whiskey from Brett Young and got a really nice. expensive bottle of whiskey that was supposed to be a gift to him. I can't divulge his identity because That's okay. Brett's probably got a hit out for him because I understand it was like really, really good whiskey. Really? So, wow, that's amazing. Yeah, I'm, uh-huh. sure, I'm sure Brett's okay. Okay. He gets he gets he gets lots of freebies. Oh, we'll send him my condolences, please. I will, of yeah. course. I'll uh-huh. say I'll say you know that 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 theft. Well, who are you listening to? Speaking of all these artists, like my gosh, who do I? You know, I listen so much to like the the, the friend group. Mm-hmm. You know, Tony Luca. Oh, you know it? what, dude? You know Tony Luca? Yeah, of course. Is yeah, one of the best friends. actually, um, I. I'm from Michigan. I'm from Clarkston, Michigan. Dude. Yeah. Uh huh. So I, I've only met Tony a small handful of times, yeah. once or twice. I, I, I had a conversation with him back home, but I actually know his family very well. I grew up with um, his family yeah. in my neighborhood, the Mulva Hill family. They're going to yes, get a kick dude. out of this when I say their name. But uh, yeah, Tony. I, yeah, that, that's man. so funny to hear you say that name because I do know who Tony is. He's essentially from my neighborhood back home and Amazing. he's doing some pretty damn good things, isn't he? Oh, dude, he's all, first of all, Tony is just so talented and so like motivated and proactive. Mm-hmm. You know what I mean? He's always finding his way and he's he figured out a long time ago too. The same thing. It's a series of ups and downs. You go up real high sometimes, but that doesn't mean you're going to stay there. Yeah. If you don't stay there, that means that your path is different. Mm-hmm. Your story is different. And he's found, I mean, man, Tony's the one who wrote, it takes the time it takes to get it right. Sure. That's it. That's a mantra for me, you yeah. know? That is a mantra daily. So, and so I love listening to to my dude Tony Luca, Ernie Halter's part of that whole fam, of course. Mm-hmm. Um, always creating music, and then I like to listen to old stuff. I've been listening to tons of D'Angelo lately. Been listening sure. to that that record again, the one with Pino and and Questlove and stuff. I mean, my God, that shit is so good. Yeah. Listen to a lot of Donny Hathaway, old stuff, a lot of funky, weird stuff. You know, I have a degree in ethnomusicology, so I've studied world music. Sure. And I got to a point where I started having to listen to artists that were like completely anomalous, just like one one of a kind. Wesley Willis, the 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 the, um, the shags, you know, like stuff like that. Like, well, the- <laughs> you know, it's funny. It's those fringe artists. Totally. It, 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 it's here's the thing about what we call rock and roll now. Mm. Here's the thing about what we call music. You know, it right. all started with the fringe artists because honestly, dude, you had the British invasion. Everybody mm. came here, the who, the Beatles, all those motherfuckers. And it was incredible, yeah. obviously. But dude, where did rock and roll start? It started with the black man's the blues. blues. It started with the blues. Absolutely. Which you start, know what which I mean? Started in, in, uh, well, which started with, with like, you know, in the fields and, yes. and doing spirituals. And then before that, in Africa and the and the music there, the the single chord guitar. guitar. Yep. Yeah. Oh, hold on, let me turn on this volume. Like, <laughs> it'll just be like that. It's the foundation of everything. That's it, man. Just that pentatonic, that thing. They'll have like the cheapest guitar. The sound is defined by these guitars that, that they got at, at JC Penney or yeah. whatever. For you know, and barely the action is six inches off the fretboard, and it's just great. But still, the virtuosos at these instruments. And yeah, it started before that with the kora, mm-hmm. which is one of the coolest stringed instruments 
ever. Sure. Uh, and then the banjo was 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 kind of has origins in in Africa because uh-huh. that was one of the first like things that they used to for as a as an amplifier. Yeah. It was a skin. No shit. Mm-hmm. So after the gourd, the gourd, the cora was the gourd, and then they wanted there was something more flat. They used a drum head to amplify the sound, and no the banjo shit. came out of that. Jesus God, mm-hmm. all down primordial roots, man, exactly. and all a smooth gradient. If you look at it from a certain perspective, same thing with language. Mm-hmm. There's you'll find every in between word in various regions between the countries. Uh, you know, in between the cultures, uh, because it's actually a smooth gradient. It just looks like to us. You know, it's just like the, like the Earth. If you zoom far enough back in the Earth, there's there's less very variation on the surface, like uh, topography of the Earth, than there is on a, on your average marble. Yeah. Did you know that? If you zoom in, like relative, the same amount, there's more, including the Mount Everest and all that stuff. There's more variant. It's more smooth. Talk about humbling. Right? You know I mean? talk, about, talk about the power of perspective. There's more to a fucking marble than there is the <laughs> earth. <you know? laughs> well, I don't know if there's as much life going on, but there's at least more variance. We don't know. I've never, I've never been inside of a marble, so I can't say that. That's true. Me yeah. neither, man. Uh-huh. My God. You know what? Let's go. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. Imagine that. The next great frontier. <laughs> um, all right. So before we wrap up, yeah, uh, and get too much talking about the existential nature of marbles um, <laughs> because, you know, we know that that's a whole nother frontier. I want to hear one more podcast. song. Uh, remember that in Walk the Line when he's like, just play the song that, you know, the, the last song that you would want anyone to hear right. kind of oh, thing. Boy. I know that's such a, a a cliche pressured question, but just play me one totally, more of these that's songs. That's such a good one. Yes. That's such a good way to say it. Uh-huh. <laughs> <laughs> um, all right, let me see. I, I might I might be able to choose that. I'm gonna go with this one because it's the first one that's coming to my mind. And I love this song. And this one, this is about forward motion. It's about progress. And I have another song called Beautiful Pain that says, don't be afraid of looking back because everybody has a past. And even if you're looking back, you're still walking forward. Even if you think you're walking backwards, you're still walking forward. So you always move forward. And this one's called When I Go. On the day that I almost lost my mind I was feeding this dirty habit of mine been drunk on your lies I was buried alive I've been so blind I was tempted by fate and I've been till I break but I'll be fine cause you know that when I go time to go I'm never coming back when I Time to go. I'm never coming back when I go. Time to go. I'm never coming back when I go. Time to go. I'm never coming back. No. Ooh, 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 never coming back. Ooh, ooh, ooh. On the day that I almost lost my soul. 
was standing at the crossroads But I didn't fall We've been up, we've been down But you pushed me around for the last time It's a fight to the death It'll take your last breath But I'll be fine And when I go, time to go I'm never coming back When I go, time to go I'm never coming back When I go, time to go I'm never coming back When I go, time to go I'm never coming back that song called when i go i dig that thanks that's man. fucking cool I, I i keep comparing all these songs to different artists but yeah, that sounds like an adele tune actually. oh well, hey yeah. thanks god uh-huh. i love adele yeah man, have you met her so awesome no i've not met adele i heard she can't wait to meet you oh so. that's so wow well, that's great yeah. yeah i'm sure she's been hearing all about me <laughs> well if chris cornell's heard about you then you know i'm sure adele has oh that would be cool yeah. that'd be pretty cool one thing at a time one thing one day at a time one moment at a time well listen keaton simons this yeah. was so cool having you here so cool to be I've here dude really looking forward to sitting down with you and talking to you a little more Absolutely. um and i don't know i'm just i'm psyched to hear you play again i'm psyched to hear what else you have to offer and i'm sure everybody else is so what's coming up next well um myself and noah needleman are co-producing brett young's christmas record oh, brett Young right. friends so we are so stoked it's been christmas all year long mm-hmm. which is a little bit weird but it's great for me i love it i'm in the spirit i can stay in the spirit i bring the sleigh bells with me it's all good um and but this record is cool, man. It's like lo-fi soul. Definitely got some great country. We've got we've got some beautiful pedal steel to and some cool like banjo moments to bring the country stuff in there. There's some New Orleans type of stuff with okay, you piano had me at New Orleans and, there. Oh yeah, man. There's some funky stuff. Almost Dr. John happening in there, and like. Just we're just having so much fun getting creative and everyone's digging it. Everyone's happy to take take chances and see them pay off. So we're we're just absolutely thrilled. It's gonna That's be awesome. It's gonna be a good holiday season. Yeah. Yeah, for everybody. We actually mm-hmm. might just get to see each other this holiday. That would so be that's wonderful. nice. And appreciate yeah. it even more. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. Truly, truly. Well, listen, Keaton, thank you so much for being here. Oh man. I really appreciate it. And um I look forward to putting you up on one of our Red Roots music shows sooner than later. Yeah, can't wait, man. Yeah. Cannot mm-hmm. wait. And let's do it again and let's hang and rounds and shows and Please. writing songs and all of it. 
please and thank you. Mm-hmm. I would very much enjoy that. So yeah. thanks again for being here, bro. Um, guys, this is The Devil You Know with myself, Luke Holden, and my guest, Keaton Simons, today. This was wonderful, and I look forward to speaking to you again soon, Keaton. And you guys, stay tuned. Mm-hmm.